0: Hello, and welcome back to Money with Mac and G. This is Ben Jones, and we have Mac and G in the studio. This is for the weekend ending April 16th, 2021. We're so happy to have you here, and uh, we think we have got a great show for you today. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and comment on the podcast. And as we normally do, let's start off with the markets. And Grant, you went last week. McKenna, how about you taking it over from here?
1: Hello, everybody. The markets continue to drive upward as the Dow is over 34,000. All three major indices ended up over 1% this week, and Bitcoin shot up about 6%, even though it dropped pretty significantly over the weekend. Dad's day trading account is now down almost 25%, and it was up almost 100% earlier this year. His experiment in day trading seems to be proving what he already thought he knew, which is that it's highly probable you'll lose money. As he told us, a good education sometimes costs money, so let's continue on from last week. Nice wrap up, Mac. Maybe we should call it Mac in the Markets. I like it. Hey, we talked about mindset, assessment, and doing the work, an easy acronym, which is spelled M-A-D, MAD. Super simple. Getting into the mindset and keeping it as a big part of the first step. From what Dad has taught us, it doesn't have to be super complicated with lots of formulas. It's easy enough for us to understand it, and we won't be 13 for another seven weeks. Okay, I'll let Dad take it from here.
0: Hey, thanks, G. As we spoke about last week, a big part of financial success is your money mindset. I was listening to a book this week called The Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel. It highlighted a couple interesting points. When you think about saving money and planning for retirement, it's a relatively new concept to us. When people my age were kids, we never really thought about the future, unless we were thinking about next week, maybe, when we wanted to buy some new clothes, a bike, or something for ourselves. For kids nowadays, it's an updated video game skin or some digital currency in their game to upgrade a weapon or something else. So what does it mean to any of us if this whole retirement and wealth building is new? Saving isn't really new in the short term, and all of us do it. And if we can, we save money for a rainy day. But taking that to a whole new level of saving, for instance, for a house, maybe a wedding, for having kids, and even when we retire, where we can't earn a salary anymore, is totally different.
1: So saving for the long term takes a very different view. In the Psychology of Money book, Dad said it talks about the ways we save for retirement. It depends on how we grew up, along with where, and when. If I think about my life, I have a ton of video games I get to play. I was born with computers, game systems, and software that made all of this possible. The first iPhone came out the year before Mac and I were born. If we think about Fortnite, TikTok, YouTube, and the internet, they were here for us to play all the fun games we wanted, and our experience with various apps is unlike what mom and dad had when they grew up. I think they got exposed to the video table tennis game called Pong. Two vertical lines on a screen that moved up and down, and the ball bounced between them. If they were a bit luckier, they got to play with the Atari game system in the early 70s, but that was 50 years ago. However, after doing a bit of research, saving money or building wealth for the long term, especially having money when you're old and retired, is really new. These savings accounts, called the 401k and IRA, really started in 1981 and are the primary accounts our parents used to save for retirement. They're only 40 years old. Hey, we're called Homo sapiens, which is the most recent version of human being. We've changed over the years. Our current version has been around for 300,000 years, and some version of a human being has been around for millions of years. I can't imagine how much they thought ahead and planned using investing in the stock market. I bet they got hungry and they would hunt. They would need clothes and they would hunt. It would get cold and they would build a fire. Yes, they were gathering food, But it wasn't until about 12,000 years ago they were thinking far enough ahead to farm. That takes planning and thinking about the future. Plant today and harvest in the future. And save some for when it's winter. Our ancestors could die of the common cold, being eaten by a pterodactyl, or accidentally stepped on by a woolly mammoth. Okay, not the pterodactyl, because that was about 150 million years ago. But life was a day-to-day thing for millions of years. And, there wasn't any planning for the future.
0: So we don't have a million years of having it built into our DNA to save, plan, and invest for the future. And, we're all affected by the way we view the world. Our past experiences are a huge reason for the way we run our own finances. My grandmother lived through the Great Depression and would have told you the stock market is horrible. Never, never, never invest your money in it. It was horrible for many. But not for everyone. Jesse Livermore was a well-known stock trader at the time. He was worth about $100 million in today's money. But he actually shorted the market, which means he thought prices were way too high and bet they would drop. The more they dropped, the more money he would make. When the market crashed, he made an equivalent of $3 billion in today's dollars in one day. His family actually was scared that he lost everything, like many others. They were thinking he might even hurt himself. But... His experience was much different from the many who lost everything. After the crash, many didn't have enough to eat, almost one in four people didn't have a job, and two million people were homeless. My grandmother, who made it through the Depression, wouldn't throw anything away after her experience. I always remember her famous bacon grease sandwiches. Yes, that's the grease left in the skillet after frying bacon. It would cool down and look like a cloudy gray with bits of bacon that would fall off when it's cooked. She scooped it out and spread it on her bread, just like butter, and she'd eat it. She said it tasted great and it filled you up when you were hungry. Her actions were based on her experience of living through the Depression. So what are your experiences and feelings about money?
1: Now, the author of Dad's book had a comment on his favorite Wikipedia page that began like this. Ronald James Reed was an American philanthropist, investor, janitor, and gas station attendant. Not exactly what you think about when thinking about a philanthropist who gave away large amounts of money. Does a janitor or gas station attendant make that kind of money to donate a large sum to their favorite charity? Can you really call him a philanthropist? Well, he was the first to graduate from high school in his family, and it's even more impressive that he had to hitchhike every day to and from school. He fixed cars for 25 years, then swept the floors at J.C. Penney for 17 years. As the author explained, over 2.8 million Americans died in 2014, and fewer than 4,000 were worth over $8 million. And our friend Ronald did just that. He saved and invested, and when he died, he gave $2 million to his stepkids and over $6 million to the local hospital and library. That's over $8 million. Kind of sounds like the millionaire next door. Then you have this guy named Richard Fuscone from the same book. If Ronald Reed was considered Batman, this guy would be the opposite and possibly named the Joker. He was Harvard-educated. He got a master's of business administration. So, that's six years of college, which was six more years of formal education than Ronald. He was an executive at the well-known financial company Merrill Lynch. Richard probably never fixed a car or swept a floor. He was one of the 40 people under 40 years old who were on the Forbes list of successful business people. That's pretty impressive. It seems like everything that he did was simply impressive and made money. But in the mid-2000s, he built a huge house. It was 18,000 square feet, which is about the size of six of our houses put together. It also had 11 bathrooms. Okay, I have to ask how many places do you need in your home to go to do your business? It also had two elevators, two pools, seven garages, and it cost... Get this, just to maintain, $90,000 per month, and that's 15 years ago. Then, in 2008, everything fell apart financially in the US. We called it the financial crisis. He wasn't making any money, and when he couldn't afford his Palm Beach house, house number two, the bank took it, then took his mansion and sold it in an auction for about 75% less than what it was worth. This happened just five months before our friend Ronald Reed left his $8 million to his family and charities.
0: So, I'm an expert, by almost every measure. But what does that mean, really? Does that mean I will always beat every non-expert when it comes to investing? No, it doesn't. Finance and investing are taught as being a complicated exact science, full of math, which would be hard for people to understand. But... You don't have to know everything to invest, and a lot of times it gets in the way. A friend of my sister's once told me they invested in Apple because their kids came home one day from school and said how awesome Apple products were. He had a nice little chunk of money over 15 years ago and decided to invest it, and now it's worth several million dollars. So what does this all mean? Unlike becoming a doctor or an engineer, an MBA, MLB, NFL player, investing isn't something that's only for those who are 7 feet tall, or throw a 100-mile-an-hour fastball, or run a 4 It also doesn't mean you have to study 10 years in med school so you can do it. Some of this is honestly just luck.
1: You know who had luck? It was Bill Gates. We think he was brilliant, and he did it all on his own because he was smart, knew computers were gonna be big, and learned all the right formulas. But his story may not be like you imagined. Just as we may imagine, investing is super complicated. I'm not talking about him as an investor, but it shows what you think and reality may be a bit different. Bill was extremely lucky, and yes, investing is part luck. I'm not sure you know this, but in 1968, there were about 330 million high school students. 18 million lived in the United States. 270,000 lived in the same state as Bill, which was Washington. About 100,000 lived in the Seattle area at the time, and only about 300 went to Lakeside School, where Bill went. The computer that Bill had access to was due to one retired Navy pilot who was the math and science teacher. He pushed to get a computer in school, and at the time, kids didn't have access to computers like that. But it happened. Out of the 303 million students, only 300 students had access, and only three took it crazy serious. The odds of him being exposed to a computer like that were less than one in a million. Even Bill said if there would have been no Lakeside, there would have been no Microsoft. So, investing is not a science. It doesn't have these absolute rules like gravity. And you don't have to spend years learning mathematical equations. And there is some luck involved. It's about how you behave. Let me say that again, since Dad would if I didn't. It's how you behave. Do you spend everything you earn? Do you go over the top like our friend Richard Fuscone, Or do you live under your means like Ronald Reed and have $8 million saved? That tells us that there is never a good time to save money and invest. You might hear the market is too high, or it's too scary, or it's too low, or the economy isn't going well. There could be lots of reasons or excuses, but starting early is such a huge key. That's why we wanted to start money with Mac and G, because starting early is such a huge part of investing. I know Dad's dying to tell you some stuff about Warren Buffett that he just learned. Warren Buffett is thought by many to be the best investor of all time. But... His partner, Charlie Munger, even said that out of the 450 investments that they made, they were lucky that most of their growth and their investment returns came from only about 10 of those investments.
0: What Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger have done is incredible. You can't take that away from them. Simply put, Warren Buffett is amazing. But do you know the reason that he's so amazing? It may shock you. His age. Let me say that again. His age! His age! He's now 90 years old, and he's worth over $100 billion. But did you know that he didn't hit $1 billion until he was 50? And he wasn't worth $3 billion until he was 65. That's a ton of money by anyone's standards. But the point is that over 99% of his wealth happened after he was 50 years old. But he still keeps going for another 40 years. And that's how compounding works. So when did Warren start saving and investing? Anyone? Bueller?
1: Bueller? Bueller?
0: He was seriously saving and investing, now get this, by the age of 10. He's got 80 years of compounding and investing under his belt. But do you know the arguably best investor in history is Jim Simons? who ran Renaissance Technologies, and since 1988, he compounded his money at 66% annually. While Warren was about a third of that amount at 22%, Simons has about a third of what Warren had at the time because he didn't hit his stride until Jim was 50. If he had hit his stride for as long as Warren, get this, he would have been worth quintillions of dollars. That's past a trillion and past a quadrillion. It's almost hard to make up those words.
1: When we speak about Ronald Reed, who saved $8 million, versus Richard Fuscone, who lost everything, you have to stop moving the goalpost. That just means every time you make more money, you increase how much you spend. You get a 10% increase in your pay, so you buy a nicer car. There has to be a point where it's enough. And this is where the money mindset comes in. We may introduce something mathematical to highlight a point. Understanding the concept is much more important than how the math works. Dad says most people don't know that an index fund, which will mimic the Dow, the S&P, or the NASDAQ, is only 50 years old. And many people talk about hedge funds, and those are only 25 years old. This whole thing is really brand new, and it continues to change. Benjamin Graham, who is one of the founders of Analyzing Stocks, revised his formulas often because things changed.
0: I personally had to go through college, pay off my school debt, and start to build my wealth in my 30s, which was 20 years after Warren Buffett started. Having parents who are interested in teaching their kids about money is a great first step. But if I would have started when Warren did at the age of 10, I would be about eight times more wealthy. It's all about your behavior, time, and a little luck. To get that right, you have to know yourself a bit and how to help your children with their behavior. But starting early is a huge key to helping your kids reach their goals. Thanks for being here. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and comment on the podcast. And we'll see you next week.
1: Bye!